This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Great news tonight on the War on Terror, and here is the latest. We have some breaking news. Breaking news. And in just a little bit ago, President Biden addressing the nation with the big news that the leader of al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawari, has been killed, taken out by two Hellfire missiles by the CIA. Good job, guys. I love that. The more bad guys taken out, the happier I think all of us can be. And how great that this news comes, especially at a time where Afghanistan really is a mess in general. It is a disaster, of course, ever since, and it's been like that for decades, but even more so since the withdrawal of U.S. troops And since that dismal withdrawal by this president. But tonight, President Biden was able to share some very big news that the man who many people believe was an even bigger mastermind of 9-11 than Osama bin Laden has now met his fate. Now, justice has been delivered and this terrorist leader is no more. People around the world no longer needed to fear the vicious and determined killer. The United States continues to demonstrate our resolve and our capacity to defend the American people against those who seek to do us harm. And President Biden quickly made it sound like he was the guy in command of it all. Um, He did have to give the go ahead for the strike, but it sounds like it was very well teed up for him. There was a house. They actually like rebuilt the house that they believed that they were following. I'm in Al-Zawari and for months All the way back to April, they showed him a diagram, almost like what you saw with Osama bin Laden. Remember where they said, we've been seeing this guy there. He's a tall guy. He's going on the top. And it was right down the street from the Pakistani Air Force Base. And in this case, it was in Kabul. And they laid it out for him. And yes, he did give the go ahead. Finally, he's on the right side of history. Maybe Bob Gates will agree with this one. But take a listen. After carefully considering the clear and convincing evidence of his location. I authorized a precision strike that would remove him from the battlefield once and for all. This mission was carefully planned, rigorously minimized the risk of harm to other civilians. And one week ago, after being advised that the conditions were optimal, I gave the final approval to go get him. And the mission was a success. And thank goodness he did give the approval, because I think back on the attack of Osama bin Laden, he was the guy who said, don't go forward with that strike. Remember, he was the guy in the room, the only one in the room, according to multiple reports, that was the one who said, do not go forward with that. Hillary Clinton said, heck yeah. Obama said, heck yeah. Thank God he got 
overridden, and they went in and they took out Osama bin Laden then in 2011. But also, this is the same president who back when he was campaigning against President Trump, he said, I can't believe, basically, that he took out Soleimani. That was the leader of the Irani Quds Force. That was one bad guy. And he said, you know what? By going after that, you're opening up a hornet's nest, President Trump, and there will be payback. The payback against us by Iran and other people will be worse than taking the guy out. So he questioned President Trump for being heavy-handed back then. And again, this is, again, the same guy who did not think that we should take the strike on Osama bin Laden. And I was talking about Robert Gates uh, because Robert Gates, remember, was the defense secretary. And he said that President Biden has been on the wrong side of history on basically every foreign policy decision that he knows of. So I'm happy to say that at least in this case he went forward. And why do you think he approved this one when he's been so reluctant before? Or do you think maybe he's realized from his past mistakes? Needless to say, clearly the CIA had great intel, and I'm so happy to hear that. But I want to hear your thoughts as to listening to President Biden's past prior to this, the way he criticized President Trump, the way he criticized other leaders in the past, that he held back on Osama bin Laden. That's noted for many, many people have said that who were in the room, said he was the one who didn't want to go with it. So why do you think this one now? Do you think he's had a wake-up call because he's the commander-in-chief? Or do you think he's trying to maybe draw a little bit of attention away from a lot of other problems that are happening elsewhere in the world? Because, boy, has he looked weak. He has looked incredibly weak. And is this now going to help him in the polls to look more like a commander-in-chief, which, quite frankly, he has been lacking sorely of, it seems, for the last year and a half plus. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, joining us now to talk about this is one of the best in the business, former Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, a special operations guy, and also the head of the London Center. Tony, thank you so much for being with us. Rita, always great to join you. Thanks for having me. What, what did you make, first off, Tony, because I want to get into the details. You know a lot about al-Qaeda and the history of Ayman al-Zawari. Um, right. By the way, you know, it's interesting, and I, I don't even know if you and I have talked about this, Tony, but years ago when I was at Fox News, uh, I tried to get an interview with Osama bin Laden, and I got a message back that he didn't speak to women, by the way. Um, isn't that, you know, no surprise, but that, that was his response. But I knew, obviously, who bin Laden was. I knew who Ayman al-Zawari was. I remember Zawari's the guy who did the uh, knockout of the person in Afghanistan two days before 9-11. So try to curry favor with his boss. But what do you make of, first off, the whole thing with President Biden, that he was so quick to criticize President Trump for taking out Soleimani of Iran and saying, oh, you know, this is going to open a hornet's nest. And then I reminded everybody about the decision room, literally, when everything was going down before Osama bin Laden, that he was the guy in the room who didn't think that we should carry out the strike. So so, what do you make of all that now in his actions from what we gather? He clearly had to sign off on this. So it's all about politics. And uh, it was appropriate to take out bin Laden when we had the chance. It's been appropriate for us to take an action against uh, Kutz Force and IRGC leaders uh, whenever they show up. Uh, So Biden simply will always take advantage 
of any situation which he thinks he can leverage for political gain. And I was just speaking to someone literally about 15 minutes ago who worked uh, in the Senate during a time he was a senator, and, and Biden is a master manipulator. He will do or say anything to benefit himself. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to be very blunt here, which I normally am anyway. Joe Biden is taking advantage of the situation because he thinks he can gain benefit from it now. Was it the right call? Absolutely. Uh, Zawahiri was the mastermind uh, behind the coal bombings, behind the Africa bombings. Uh, many would say that he mentored uh, Osama bin Laden to the point of where he made Osama more effective. So, and, and by the way, he's the last major target that was authorized for either kill or capture as part of the authorized use of military force, the AUMF, back in in uh, late September, early October of 2001. So uh, this was something necessary. So it was uh, something he was advised to do. Uh, I'm glad he accepted that advice. Uh, I think uh, a lot more moving pieces were involved than we've been told so far, which is a good thing because those pieces did work for, for, for this situation. But uh, Biden is going to say and do anything he thinks will benefit Joe Biden. And the other thing I got to say, Rita, uh, listening to his his comments on this, he's having a hard time even focusing properly on what words to say, even though he's reading them. So I don't think this was his best moment ever for uh, being the president and commander in chief. How do you think um, this helps him politically? And and the reason I think it's interesting timing too, Tony, as you know all too well, because Nancy Pelosi could be touching down in Taiwan in a matter of hours. Um, it hasn't been official, but there's been leaks coming from the Taiwanese, you know, uh, new media left and right. Um, and it looks like she's probably going to do it. I think she has to do it now because, yeah. you know, but how does this help him? Because he's looked kind of wimpy on that. Remember, he, he said, oh, the Pentagon, you know, uh, didn't want her to go. And right. he's looked very tepid. And, and the withdrawal of Afghanistan, which you and I talked about here on the show, was a disaster. Right. Um, so how does this help him? Does this make him look more like a like a a sense of strength or at least a guy who's willing to at least take some action? Well, I think, to be honest with you, you're going to see that the administration downplay this pretty quickly because I don't think they're prepared to go to war. I think a lot of the bluster he and others uh, say regarding antagonizing enemies uh, is not wise at this point because, you know, uh, you know, I'm very close to the old Reagan White House folks, and I've spoken to them a lot about this. One of the things about the Reagan administration, you never doubted the ability of President Reagan to actually act when faced with a challenge. Uh, Rita, we don't have that military capacity right now. The military right now has been decimated by internal strife. Uh, the, the, the current force situation we have before us, we've had to put more forces in Europe to make a credible uh, contribution to NATO. Uh, we don't have a lot of forces left over. And, and so part of this is I think uh, while it was necessary, and I think it's going to benefit him because he can point to something – some good news he needs to, to kind of push back against the horrible domestic situation that's been created by their policies. He'll he will, you know, kind of wave the flag, but then quietly kind of skulk away because they don't want to be in a position where our enemies start calling, uh, calling in, uh, basically trying to figure out what we're, we're capable of doing, because I don't think there's much there there. So I think this will go away pretty quick. Well, and you know, what's interesting. I thought about tonight too, Tony in Afghanistan. Remember the guys who uh, took the lives of so many of our precious military men and women there at Abbey Gate. We still don't know the person who's responsible for that. And in fact, remember the drone that's supposed to have taken them out, hit a uh, car with uh, an aid worker and kids. 
so on that point, the, the whole issue relating to that needs to be accounted for. And I would argue still there was a failure of the chain of command all the way up to Lloyd Austin all the way down. And the fact that no one has been fired or held accountable speaks volumes of the fact that, that apparently a lot of those issues still linger on. So, again, this is where I think certain elements of CIA and Special Operations Command were very effective in tracking this individual once he came over into to Afghanistan. And by the way, you know, the Taliban are complaining about this being a violation of the Doha Accord, which, duh, they violated the Doha Accord the moment they took over the country without regard to the agreement. So I wouldn't hold – I doesn't hold much water. But I think there's a lot of things that need to be sorted through still. So uh, I, I, I don't want to say this is a flash in the pan that's not reflective of the Obama administration's capability, but I think it is. I don't think this is uh, something they could repeat, uh, and this was based on some hardworking men and women inside of the intelligence community, the special operations community, who continue to hold the line to do things which are required of their profession, going against some of the, the really strong woke uh, headwinds that they're facing within the administration. Yeah, you're right. There is so much, so many layers to this. Well, Tony Schaefer, uh, so appreciate you being with us. Uh, the great Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer of the London Center. Thank you so much for being with us. Sure. Thanks, Rita. Thank you very much. And everybody, we're taking your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Uh, let's go to Michael on line six. Michael, your thoughts about all this? Yeah. Uh, Brandon, oh, I'm sorry, I mean Biden, uh, is an absolute hypocrite. Uh, I heard on uh, Mark Levin's show today that Biden chastised Trump when he took out two terrorists. Absolutely chastised them. He said, oh, he's just a political aggrandizement. So the guy's a phony. Um, I just hope that the uh, cinema is able to stand up to the pressure and vote no, because Manchin is an absolute hypocrite. He waited till Schumer could come up with a package. Yeah, and by the way, and by the way, Michael, part of part of that package too was a pipeline. As it turns out, the one thing Joe Biden doesn't like, but they're willing to do it if they can try to curry favor with, you know, trying to move him over to their side because he said he would never vote for a package like that. Um, and you're you're right when you talk about the thing with Mark Levin. I was just saying, too, that Soleimani, uh, he was the head of the Iranian Quds, which are, you know, the bad guys. He was very much responsible for attacks on Americans and all these others. And when he was killed, Joe Biden couldn't slam Trump enough. I mean, he was saying, this is dangerous. You might be getting rid of a bad guy, but you're opening a hornet's nest. You're going to create a horrible payback. You're going to take us to war with Iran. Um, So, you know, I mean, by him going after this guy and now even the Taliban's upset. By the way, I think both of them were the right call. Absolutely get rid of Soleimani. That was I was cheering. I thought it was the right move. And I think getting rid of Ayman al-Zawari is a big move, too. Thousand percent. But you're right. He's trying to have it both ways. And that is really, really pathetic. Um, We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make of the timing? And Michael so aptly said, Biden is a hypocrite. Because when other leaders took out bad guys, he flinched. He didn't even just flinch. He, like, curled up in a little ball. Not only did he attack them on the campaign trail like President Trump, 
he actually like panicked and crawled up in a little ball when the when the whole thing happened with Osama bin Laden. And yet today it's almost like identical. They put a house together, a mock. They said, we have the intel. We believe he's there. We're going to find a moment, hopefully, when he's by himself. They were following him for months and months and months. And then, of course, President Biden took him out. So what do you make of the fact that he agreed to the call on this one, but almost every other time in history, he's been a wimp? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Bill Collins has it right. It is the land of confusion. Normally with President Biden, he still was a little confused. Here was this historic moment he's announcing to the world that Ayman al-Zawari, the leader now of al-Qaeda since Osama bin Laden, was thankfully taken off this earth in 2011. Well, now the leader who replaced him, Ayman al-Zawari, taken out by two CIA Hellfire drones on Saturday night. Big news, and he's still kind of like, uh, 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 uh. Uh, Maybe it wasn't on the cue cards really clearly or telling him when he was supposed to speak or what camera he was supposed to look at. But he did try to sound like he was like the guy who's got everything under control in the world. Take a listen. As commander in chief, it is my solemn responsibility to make America safe in a dangerous world. The United States did not seek this war against terror. It came to us. and We answered with the same principles and resolve that have shaped us for a generation upon generation to protect the innocent, defend liberty, and we keep the light of freedom burning a beacon for the rest of the entire world because this is a great and defining truth about our nation and our people. We do not break. We never give in. We never back down. And we normally never give the Taliban $83 billion worth of U.S. equipment. But this president did that when we left with a tail between our legs and people were clinging to the plane. And this is also the same president who opened the door, I think, in so many ways with Russia and Ukraine by telling Russia, if it's just a minor incursion, maybe we won't do anything. So now he's the guy who's going to keep the world safe. What about our southern border? We're going to talk about that in the next hour. Is he keeping us safe there? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in line line two, Staten Island. Go ahead, Pete. Hi, Rita. You know, I I was always taught not to be happy when somebody gets killed, but this guy, Sakai, uh, this has been a thorn in my side and a lot of people's side. My wife was affected, and I was affected by 9-11, and... uh, You know, this was like this guy for 21 years, he escaped justice. And I don't think it was totally Biden who 
got this guy. People have been working on this uh, when Trump was in office. And no question. Trump, no know, question. about Trump having that golf thing, I feel totally different than the people that were protesting. And I am, you know, I have, you know, something in, uh, you know, involved with that. And uh, I feel that uh, a game of golf wasn't going to make a, a big problem. Like everybody's saying, and a lot of people out of work. And Trump put a lot of people to work with that golf thing. So you're talking about you're talking about the uh, the Saudi uh, the Saudi golf team that's now at uh, Bedminster. Betraying the families. I don't feel it was betraying the families. Trump did something that he thought was you know humanitarian and stuff like this. Uh, They killed that reporter there. That was horrible. Oh, absolutely. Brought to justice on this. I want to see them be put to justice, but. I don't blame uh, President Trump for having a golf outing. outing. I don't think that affected it that much. Well, and you know, and you know, it's interesting, Pete, with the timing. And and listen, I have such, you know, love and respect for the 9-11 families. Um, I lost a friend of mine on one of the planes, too. Barbara Olson, who was the wife of Ted Olson, and her plane slammed into the Pentagon. Um, So it's very raw and very real. Um, but I, uh, but I also feel like, look, President Biden went over to Saudi too. So, you know, obviously I have a deep appreciation for their emotions and obviously whatever we can do to give them closure and give them answers, uh, they deserve it. But it's very, very complex. Rita Cosby is on. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Rita Cosby Show presents... And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Bell Gardens, California, which is just about 12 miles southeast of downtown L.A. Officers used extinguishers to battle massive flames as others worked to free a severely burned woman from a car that caught fire after crashing into electrical wiring. An unconscious woman was trapped in a burning car that had crashed into electrical wiring. Wow, how dangerous. Thankfully, she was rescued by officers who happened to be patrolling the area. Now, the car had major front end damage and was in direct contact with the exposed electrical wiring from the traffic control cabinet. The officers came across the dangerous scene just before 5 in the morning, and as they tried to get the 28-year-old woman out of the car, the engine compartment caught on fire, and within seconds, the fire grew massively. Officers used fire extinguishers to fend off the blaze while others struggled to pull the woman from the car as smoke and fire entered the passenger's compartment, engulfing it. Officers continued to free then the driver as the fire grew larger. And after several minutes, can you imagine what that must have been like? They were able to pull her to safety. The woman had severe burns on her legs where she was taken to the hospital. But she is very, very thankful to the officers who indeed 
saved her life. Wow, what a powerful story. And bravo to the great officers there in California and, of course, all of our great men and women in uniform across the country. Well, uh, in the next hour, we're going to talk about the offer from the Texas governor to Mayor Eric Adams and also Muriel Bowser of D.C. Come to the border. You don't like being overrun in your facilities and your shelters? Why don't you come see what we're living with every day? Let's see if Mayor Adams and Muriel Bowser take them up on that offer. And we're also going to talk about Taiwan, because as we're talking about developments overseas, and we're going to get to Zawahiri in a moment here, but when you talk about what's going on, there is a very, very strong chance that it looks like Nancy Pelosi will be going to Taiwan. There's all these reports coming from Taiwan media saying that she's expected to come there sometime tomorrow night. So, of course, we will talk about that here on the Rita Cosby Show. Let's see what she does. I think she has to go, but I want to hear from you tonight because the rhetoric is really ramping up on the China side. And on the U.S. side, they're sending a strike force. They've got a a strike force. The U.S. Ronald Reagan is now in the area there. I don't think it's a coincidence that things have suddenly moved into the area. And Chinese also did a test over the weekend, too. So things are really getting heated there. And we're going to take calls about that in the next hour. And I always love hearing from you. And by the way, as it were, of course, tonight, the big, huge news that happened just a few hours ago. And we'll bring you the latest here on the Rita Cosby Show is Ayman al-Zawari, who is the leader of al-Qaeda. He's been ever since Osama bin Laden met his little fate. Uh, Well, now he has had the same And he was taken out by two CIA Hellfire missiles. And this is one of these guys who was, many people believe, and you just heard from Tony Schaefer on the show, this is a guy who really mentored Osama bin Laden. This is a guy who everybody, pretty much after Osama bin Laden was taken out very seamlessly, he became the natural leader of, obviously, the uh, al-Qaeda, which was very much still rampant. And I want to know also, he was in Kabul, and he was at a house in Kabul. So wouldn't it be interesting to know, did the Taliban know that he was there? That's the government that Joe Biden handed over Afghanistan to on a silver platter. And remember, as I pointed out, he left behind $83 billion of U.S. equipment to the Taliban, which I've always wondered, was that sort of a payoff for them not to escalate things? To, to stay low on certain things. And I'm curious, do you think of the Afghans, I wouldn't trust the Taliban like one inch. I have no doubt they probably knew he was there. There's no doubt in my mind. The Pakistanis knew Osama bin Laden was there. Remember, he was like, it was like half a mile or something like that from their, basically their West Point. They're like most famous military base. Happened to be down the street. That's why When the Navy SEALs went in, they couldn't even tell Pakistan they were flying into the airspace. And that's why in this case, they went in with Hellfire drones, unmanned. Obviously, that's what the drones are. They're unmanned. And that's obviously the best way. You don't put any human life in danger, which was great. And it was a big success. But I bet you anything that the Taliban knew he was there. They probably have known he's been in that house forever. They probably are upset that the U.S. went into Their territory, there are reports about that tonight. And what does that say about the condition that we left Afghanistan in, or at least that this president left Afghanistan in? And that's why it's a little hard, you know, tonight 
when he made the announcement about Ayman al-Zawari. And again, I say bravo. Pete, who just called in, said he was cheering. I was cheering, too. It's great news for the world. It's great news for freedom. And it's uh, bad news for al-Qaeda and for evildoers. And I'm thrilled about that. But I have a hard time when I see President Biden patting himself on the back like he is like the, uh, you know, the the bull, that he's the guy driving the train here. Because to me, he seems like a very passive player. And I bet you he was probably pretty passive in this. They probably were like, "Uh, Mr. President, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, You could go down in history. Oh, well, then maybe I should do it. You know, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for the discussion on this one. Clearly, the CIA had good intel, so you can't necessarily. It wasn't like Biden was out there getting the intelligence. But come on. This is not the tough guy out there that he's now trying to be in the last few hours. Take a listen to what he said to the country just a few hours ago. To those around the world who continue to seek to harm the United States, hear me now. We will always remain vigilant. And we will act, and we will always do what is necessary to ensure the safety and security of Americans at home and around the globe. And then he also said, be aware, everybody, you are on notice. If you're a bad guy, Biden's going to find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. Now, how does that reconcile with the guy who is, like, scared about Nancy Pelosi going into Taiwan when the rest of the world is saying she should go there, other than China, of course? But he seems to be afraid about China's tiptoeing. He hasn't even really asked him about COVID. He's afraid to talk to the Chinese leader about the Wuhan lab or the origins of the coronavirus. But yet we're supposed to believe that he's going out there taking out the worst of the worst guys and endorsing it wholeheartedly. So my philosophy on this one is that he got a gimme, that they basically said, we know it's him, we know it's here, we're begging you, Mr. President, take the strike. Because if you look at the history of this guy, this is not a proactive warrior. And that's why, in many ways, I believe we're in the situation we are in Afghanistan. And the follow-up question needs to be, and I hope the press in the press room do their job, the press should ask him next time if he ever makes himself available to the press without a cue card and answers a question, because most of the time he doesn't answer questions, as we've seen of late. But there needs to be a question. Mr. President, do you believe the Taliban was aware that he was there? And do you regret pulling out of Afghanistan so quickly, so haphazardly, so disastrously? Didn't you create this cauldron where terrorists could live and thrive? Like this guy, because he was right there in Kabul in the Capitol. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joanna. Uh, Joanna uh, in Central Connecticut, your thoughts. I I just want to imagine if Trump was made to office, how much money we would have saved without spending all this money to Ukraine. And it's just incredible. Nobody even... I don't know. And one other question I have for you. If somebody came forward and said that they did all this ballot scamming and stuff, and it was thousands and thousands, and it was proven that Trump would have won, would Biden be removed then? That would be a very hard thing to do. That would be a very, very hard thing to do. Um, that's a that's a great question, because believe me, 
Um, you know, we always hear it on all sides at different election times where people bring it up. Uh, it has never happened. So that would be a huge opening can of worms. It would have to be so irrefutable and it would have to be uh, mutually aware of and mutually seen. Uh, that would be extremely complex. Uh, and I, I think it, I think, no, your, your question's a very good one because, you know, people have discussed that in different terms. And your first, I want to answer your first one too, Joanna, because you hit a great point in the fact that um, this president has opened the door to so many different conflicts that we're already seeing. And yet at the same time, he's also been minimizing the military. I mean, that was one of the things that Tony was just talking about. This whole CRT, this whole, um, you know, uh, politically correct. I mean, did you see some of the latest videos they were putting out? It was about gender training in the military. Guess what? A lot of people don't want to join the military now because they feel like, they feel like this is not what they joined the military for. They joined the military to take out people like Al-Zawari. They didn't join the military to, like, figure out what pronoun it is, you know? And that's part of the problem that's been going on. He's been spending all this money on, like, you know, on politically correct terminology, and they want to do the good work and take out the bad guys. And to your point, I wonder, and a lot of people have said this, Joanna, that if President Trump was in office, and I firmly believe this, I do not think that Russia would have invaded Ukraine. A lot of people have also agreed with me. Just because Putin respects strength, Trump was very clear with his policies, with his strength. And in fact, remember, even Biden didn't like when Trump was calling North Korea rocket man. Biden didn't like when Trump was taking out Soleimani. Biden didn't like a lot of these things. And now we're supposed to have, you know, have us think that he's like, what, Triple H and WWE? Uh, I don't think so. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, your thoughts. Yeah, Rita, when Bush went to war after 9-11, took out Saddam Hussein, he gave all credit to our troops. And now he's hanging with our troops every chance he gets. When Trump kills Soleimani, he praised our armed forces for that. But when Zawahiri was recently killed, Mr. Joe Bite Me was under, he went like, under my command, they launched a Hellfire missile called Joe Bite Me, and I killed him. And, you know, he sounded like the cookie monster were pronouncing his name. And when Obama killed Osama, he went shortly after taking office. I directed Leon Panetta to kill Obama. Joe and Obama are so self-absorbed that they don't have the humility to give credit where credit is, is due. You know, these guys' egos are bigger than their gray matter, which is the problem. And and you know what also, Dom, I also think, um, I don't know if you heard Tony Schaefer, because Tony's so great, his perspective, the former lieutenant colonel. Tony was saying he believes, Dom, and you you, uh, obviously heard this, where he said that he believes it's all political, that Biden saw this moment as a great political win for him, where he's looking like a whip, I think, in many ways to the rest of the world. And so he saw this as a great time to look like a leader and you, you you hit an interesting point about the phrasing, too. You're right, because when Trump took out Soleimani, he complimented how great our military is and how courageous and how, you know, terrific they are. And you're right. In this case, um, you're right. It was like the first thing was I authorized. I did this. Well, you know what? I, I think you'd have to be, you know, uh, 
you know, six feet under to not do it. You know what I mean? If somebody came to you and said, oh, I got the worst person in the world. There's a $25 million reward, you know, kill or capture. One of the worst, probably the worst person in the world right now alive up until uh, this weekend. And if somebody said, take him out, it'd be like, heck yeah. You know, you know, I would need about half a second. I don't even think I'd need that. They, they, all they'd have to do is say the name. I'd go, go for it. You know, are you kidding me? I don't, think, I don't think I don't think Biden did it for politics because I doubt he can think that far ahead, given the condition he's in. <laughs> Although, you know, that's a good point. But I bet you then somebody else told him, Mr. President, this would, yeah, this would yeah. be a good thing because you're looking like a like a, a lame duck already, even though you haven't announced that you're pulling out yet, even though what it looks like he's probably going to do after the November elections. But, I mean, somebody said, Mr. President, uh, your polls are 75 percent, even of Democrats don't want you to run again. This will make you look like Churchill. <laughs> Somebody's, someone sold him that bill of goods, Dom. Yeah, we need to we need to force. Last point I want to make is we need to force every politician running for office to complete finishing school at a minimum before they run for office. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. I, or how about just a, the English language would be good for, for go. the president? There we go. Thanks, Rita. <laughs> how to read cue cards. Thank you, Dom, very much. Let's go to Jimmy. Line four. Jimmy, your thoughts, my friend. Yes. Uh, here he had to be taken out. But what people should know, this is extremely important. Eamon Azarahiri was trained by the Soviets. We got that from Litvinenko, the KGB defector who was murdered in London with the polonium-210. He was murdered, this KGB defector, because he was warning the world that Zawahiri and many of the other terror leaders were trained by the Soviets. And not only that, the Soviet intelligence blew up their own buildings in Moscow and blamed it on the Chechens to look like Russia was a victim also of terrorism. And it also gave Russia the excuse to go bomb the hell out of Chechnya, which wanted to be a, a, a free country again. So there's a lot here to learn. Now, if you were the enemy, it's hard to think, uh, Irina, I understand that. No, no, no. But by the way, you bring up some great points because Russia has done that. So I, I'm thinking as you're talking, so many places throughout history, they've done that sort of the false flag, you know, like the creating the instance and then making them try to look like they're the victims. But but uh, but that's a fabulous point. But you're right. There are these tentacles here. And so it's much broader. So so continue where you think where what do you think the message is, Jim, based on what you're talking about? Well, what's possible, we could never know 100 percent for sure. But from history and common sense, knowing how the enemy works, the enemy may have given up the whereabouts of Zarahiri in order for Biden to look good. The enemy would prefer Biden to remain president because Biden is doing everything exactly right according to the enemy's aims and goals. Now, a lot of people don't realize that the enemy may give Biden some big win somewhere because they'd rather Biden and the Democrat Party stay in power because we're being destroyed from within. It's like a chess game. We play checkers. They play chess. But it's worse than that. The enemy moves their piece, then the enemy moves our piece, then they move their piece, then they move our piece. That's a, Jimmy, Jimmy, that's a fascinating point. So are you trying to say in this case that what, like Russia somehow tipped somebody off? We don't, you know, you, have. we don't they know. Have. You're right. We don't know the original tip and how CIA, a lot of times we, you know, you sometimes you find out, sometimes you don't. Um, I, I think about it like Zero Dark Thirty. Remember, we found out all the details in that movie where Jessica Chastain played the CIA operative who was putting all the pieces together. But it'd be interesting to know, like, uh, who tipped 
them off? How did they figure it out? Obviously, it's been in the works for a while. But you're right. If I'm, by the way, if I'm Russia or if I'm China and if I'm any of those players right now and Iran, I'm saying, yeah, keep Joe Biden in because this guy's a pushover. Um, You know, they'd much rather deal with a, you know, with a soft guy like that who seems, you know, wishy-washy on everything. I mean, China, you know, right now, and we're going to talk about this in the next hour, about Taiwan. I mean, if I'm China right now, not that I want to see them do any action whatsoever to any American or anybody, but why would they not try to take advantage of going into Taiwan themselves right now? Because they have, you know, a president who clearly isn't really putting a foot down in any way with China. They're afraid to even talk about the Wuhan lab, let alone anything else. This president hasn't even backed the Speaker of the House from his own party. He came out and said the Pentagon didn't want her to go. That totally undermined her. There's word that they think the leak in the Taiwan, you know, Pelosi thing came from the White House. So you got to push over from a political standpoint. They see what happened in Afghanistan. They know that Americans were left behind. They know we left $83 billion worth of equipment to the Taliban that are buddies and allies with Zawari. You know, they know all of this stuff. So to me, it's like this is a moment right now. And you bring up a great point, like do something to try to keep them in because they can take advantage of a very weak American president. And if you're a bad guy, that's what you like doing. And boy, the you know, the thing that's so sad about that, Jim, that's a sad thing for the rest of us. You know, that is a sad, sad place to be. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are continuing with your calls as we're talking about President Biden authorizing the strike. Bob Gates may have to revise. He always said he was made, he was on the wrong side of history in every foreign policy decision in this century because he's been around a long time as you can tell from his delivery but maybe this one he's done right but i'd be curious i bet you there were people in the background going please please this time do it please please 1-800-848-9222 let's go to craig in downsville craig go ahead hi rita um yeah even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while and benedict biden he's like one of the He's the biggest mass murderer, him and the Democratic Party, with all the fentanyl coming across the border, that he puts them all to shame. Well, that and, that's why, and, you know, Craig, that's one of the things that I was saying, that for him to sit there and tout his horn like, oh, I will always keep this country safe, I will always protect you, it doesn't fit with the border, just like you're saying. And in the next hour, we're going to talk about that. We're going to be, by the way, talking with Derek Maltz who was one of the head directors for special operations in DEA and very much knows drugs and fentanyls. And exactly to your point, how could you have an open border and sit there with a straight face and say his priority is to keep America safe? Craig, thank you very much. Let's go to Lamar on line one. Lamar, your thoughts. Uh, good evening, Ms. Uh, Calls. Before, before I make my statement, I would just like to say that uh, I always defer to your superior intellect and credentials, but on this one point, I must take issue. Please forgive me. 
uh, last night I heard many of your callers and uh, the opinions of all these uh, civilian honor graduates of the War College and the Commanding General Staff College notwithstanding, we must remember that we have officers of flag rank on active duty, three- and four-star generals, hand-picked woke generals from Illinois down, who are less concerned with the fighting readiness of our brave troops than they are with introducing into the ranks of the elite corps men so-called with female aspirations. Well, I'm and by, by the way, Lamar, two things. One thing, first off, I wasn't on last night, so maybe you heard somebody else, so I'm happy to say you're not correcting me. But you are absolutely correct in your point, my friend, that there are three- and four-star generals And often those are the ones picked or those are the ones directed by the president saying, this is how we're going to move the process. Look at Lloyd Austin and look at Millie. They're just like, "Uh, I'll be woke or broke. Feisty, fearless and fair. She's an Emmy winning journalist from the White House to war zones telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Coming up on this hour of the Rita Cosby Show, later on in the hour, we are going to talk about Taiwan and Nancy Pelosi, because according to Taiwan media, she is planning on coming there in a matter of hours. She's on a bipartisan congressional trip, uh, so it'll be interesting to see who else is with her, and also if she does indeed touch down in Taiwan and what China does. Boy, some of the rhetoric coming from China has been crazy. And I'm glad she's going, if indeed she still is, because uh, I think it's important. You can't back down. And that's why, as we were just talking about in the last hour, I'm happy to hear that Ayman al-Zawari, the leader of al-Qaeda, was taken out by the CIA over the weekend. The president announcing that big, big announcement tonight. Uh, but this president was kind of like, oh, I don't think she should go. You know, the Pentagon doesn't really think she should go. And then about Afghanistan, what do you mean? We won't be leaving anybody behind. You won't see people, you know, on the rooftops. Sure enough, we did. And they also never got the person responsible for killing the military, the U.S. military at the Abbey Gate there in Afghanistan. He's been very tepid with Russia, especially at the beginning. Uh, So there's a lot of mistakes. This is not like, you know, Albert Einstein leading the pack here, and I'm happy that we got a bad guy out, and so tonight I am celebrating that big time. One thing, though, as he's been sitting here saying the border is safe, the border is protected, um, everything is safe and secure, and you hear that all the time from, you know, Mayorkas, his Homeland Security Secretary. You're like, what are you talking about? And that was one of the things the president said tonight. Our job is to protect the homeland. I will always protect the homeland, and I'm thinking— What are you doing with our southern border? Our southern border is wide open. They have not been checking for COVID. They haven't been checking for criminal records. And they continue to tell us, oh, no, the border's not open, as if we can't see with our own eyes the images of the streams of people coming and coming. And they all say, oh, yeah, Biden wants to, you know, Biden says, come on in. It's got a big old neon sign. So coming up in just about a few minutes from now, we're going to talk to the former director of the Special Operations Division 
of the DEA, Derek Maltz, also a great national security and public safety executive, to get his take on all of this. Uh, Because he knows what's going on in terms of the drug market, what's happening with fentanyl, because guess where it's coming from? Our southern border. Meantime, Mayor Eric Adams talking about those who are overcome by drugs and saying, we got to focus on it. 500 hypodermic needles, 500 living like this. Look at this. Look at this condition that a fellow New Yorker was living in. I'm supposed to allow this to stay? I'm supposed to act like I don't see this? This is dignity? This is, this is how we treat fellow New Yorkers? And some would say, well, this is a warm place for them. <laughs> Please. Well, I'll subscribe to that. They need help and assistance and rebuild their lives. Well, somebody needs to rebuild their computer because they were typing in the background that whole time. Derek Eric Adams, that was interesting. Were they transcribing his words and then they gave up and said, what a bunch of hogwash? <laughs> they don't even want to transcribe it anymore. Well, this comes as sadly news of arrests and convictions for major narcotics dealing and possession dropping dramatically across New York City. And this is happening in a lot of cities across the country. And most people, most people watching it with half a brain are saying this is a lot tied to progressive policies. Here's some data that the New York Post put together. It's interesting. From 2019 to 2021, arrests for all felony drug sales in the five boroughs of Manhattan plummeted 28 percent. Do you believe that there were less drugs in New York City during that time, especially during COVID? Are you kidding me? I would say add a few more zeros to that. You kidding me? It skyrocketed. But they're making it sound like, well, oh, less, you know, less arrests, less issues. Convictions, by the way, fell. Get this, a staggering 52%. Talk about not getting tough on criminals. And in the first three months of this year, there has been a 38% decline compared to 2019. And many people watching this are seeing the policies of progressive DAs who don't want to prosecute and police officers who feel villainized. And that is only emboldening Criminals. Take a listen. This is Heather McDonald from the Manhattan Institute. Our current district attorney in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, has said he's not going to prosecute resisting arrest because doing so has a disparate impact on minorities. And the reason that this thug was on the streets at all after arrest recently for illegal gun possession and robbery was that incarcerating criminals for violent crime has a disparate impact on minorities. Uh, Not because, though, the system is racist, but because there's highly elevated rates of violent crime among minorities. The system has decided it would rather protect violent criminals from the consequences of their actions than to protect law-abiding citizens from violent crime if doing so means incarcerating minorities. What a sad place to be, because a bad guy is a bad guy. It does not matter the color of their skin. And meantime, we've got Muriel Bowser and Eric Adams pleading with the federal government and also Republicans saying, you know, we're being overwhelmed by these migrants who are crossing the border. What can we do? And guess what? I love this, because today 
the Texas governor came back and he basically called them out and said, I am inviting you, Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, and I'm inviting you, Eric Adams, the New York City mayor, to come to the border firsthand to see how bad the crisis is, how many migrants are crossing, how bad the drugs are. And so far, we haven't heard an answer. What a surprise. Well, this is Muriel Bowser talking just recently. Remember, she said that she felt the migrants who were showing up now in her city and elsewhere across the country, that they're somehow being political pawns. Take a listen. We have for sure called on the federal government um, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, we, we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Uh, I worked uh, with the White House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks, um, but I fear that they're being uh, tricked into nationwide um, bus trips when their final destinations are places all over the United States of America. What about the flights in the middle of the night? And why hasn't this president said, DAs, you need to prosecute those with drug crimes? And why is he not going after drug dealers and people bringing massive amounts of fentanyl across our border? Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is the former director of the DEA Special Operations Division. He was also chief of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force. And joining us now is Agent Derek Maltz. Uh, Derek, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Reader. I appreciate the time. You know, you are terrific and you know the drug trade so well. Um, I just want to get your reaction, first off, to the fact that the story about all these drugs that are now coming into major cities like New York, and yet they seem to be turning a blind eye. Convictions are down 52%. Drug arrests for felony drug sales in the five boroughs of New York down 28%. I mean, and you, you know, you know better than I do. There is no way you can tell me that drugs happen to be less, especially at that amount at this time. Right. So, a couple of things. Number one, The DEA reported the seizure of over one ton of fentanyl last year in New York City. Just think about that. 1,000 pounds of fentanyl, you only need two milligrams to kill. The prosecutors in the state of New York are very soft on criminals. It's almost like President AMLO in Mexico. He has the hugs for thugs policy. We cannot have that. Look what's going on with the morale and the retirements of the NYPD, the New York State Police, all these police agencies. They're not being respected. They're not being paid. There's no support. And they don't want to compromise their family's well-being if they accidentally make a mistake while they're trying to keep people safe. So total disaster. Mayor Adams inherited a disaster from de Blasio, who really hated the police, right? So right now, we have something going on I don't think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Look at a poor tourist walking down New York City street, got slashed in the back with a, with a box cutter. In the middle of the day, I think it was, unprovoked. My point to Mayor Adams is, why don't you pay attention to what's going on in your city, and instead of worrying about grandstanding on the federal stage, with Governor Abbott. Thank God Governor Abbott is doing what he's doing. 
because the actions that he's taking in Texas are protecting all Americans because he's keeping the the drugs and a lot of the problems out of this this country and he's and he's taking down the bad guys as they're flooding the streets with all types of deadly drugs and for Mayor Bowser like first of all he is a disaster I was just down there last week federal agent for 28 years and I'm even afraid walking down the streets without a weapon it's disgusting and she needs to focus on the tent cities and the crime in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. You know, um, Derek, uh, as you talked about, they put an offer out. I thought it was actually pretty great that the Texas governor said, hey, come down to the border. You know, if you really care, come see it firsthand. Uh, Do you think, first off, I think it'd be eye-opening if they go down there. I hope they go down there, but I don't see them going. At least I don't see maybe Eric Adams will, but I'm not sure about Muriel Bowser. What do you think? To go, and I got to tell you this: In April, I went to the Rio Grande Valley, and I was briefed by the brave men and women of the Border Patrol and the Department of Public Safety in Texas, and I was very impressed with their efforts. But I was really saddened by what I heard with the morale of the Border Patrol doing migrant processing all day. The gotaways, fifty-five thousand, like a month. All the large groups that are invading our country from over one hundred and fifty different countries. The nine thousand drones that are taking surveillance of our Border Patrol. And by the way, cartels, they drop explosives on their adversaries in Mexico. They can do that tomorrow because they have thousands of drones coming into our country. The stash houses of these poor men and women and these little children, right, they seized hundreds of stash houses last year. We were briefed on the inhumane conditions, the rapes, no water, no air conditioning. Right. And all the money owed to the cartels. Record level of dead bodies on the border. OK. Fredo Coroner was talking about after like 25 years, never seen anything like it. And so high speed chases as well. So what's going on is a disgrace, gross negligence by the current administration. So if those two mayors and any of these other Democratic mayors have any complaints, go to Washington and see the president and see the lazy congressional members that are not doing their job to safeguard the citizens of the country. And the kids, the kids are being left totally there to die from these poisonous, deadly substances, and the White House isn't even talking about it. Total disgrace. What about also uh, the fact, as we're talking you just brought up a great point that, you know, that, right, there's a lot of ways that this could be solved. You're right. They had a drone that took out Al-Zawari uh, thousands of miles away. And you're right. They definitely know where some of these drug dealers are on the other side of the border and even some on this side of the border. Um, why are they not doing more? Why is he not declaring, um, first of all, not honest at the border? You know, it's clear it is open. And second of all, why is he not declaring fentanyl? Uh, as you just talked about, one ton. That's unbelievable. The DEA bus. Uh, I remember that. That was huge. And why well, are we? Why it. is he not declaring that a health emergency for America? More than a health emergency, it's a national security emergency. The Families Against Fentanyl have pushed Congress a resolution to designate fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. There's a bipartisan. There's some bipartisan support. Tim Ryan from Ohio, Lauren Bulber from Colorado, they like the idea of trying to garner some more support. But there's chemical weapon processing labs in Mexico 
It's killing our kids. We're losing 300 Americans a day. And honestly, it's kind of very strange because the president himself has said what an unusual and extraordinary threat the drug crisis is to the national security of the country. But yet the border is wide open. The drugs are coming in like we've never seen in the history of the country. We have seizures happening. Like two weeks ago, a million pills were seized. Fake pills were seized in Los Angeles. It only takes two milligrams to kill. The DEA administrator put out that 40 percent of the pills they analyze have a potentially lethal dose of, of fentanyl. So it's, it's really dangerous. We've never seen anything like it in the history of the country, Rita. And I'm not exaggerating. I've been doing this a long time. My father was in the business 30 years. I was in the business now over 28 years. I retired. I'm still doing it every day, working with my, my guys in law enforcement. And I got to tell you, it's really, really sad to see that we're losing 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, first-time users of this poisonous substance. Everybody should be outraged. It's not a red or a blue issue. It's a red, white, and blue issue. And I don't understand why the communities are not totally outraged about this, because our future generation is getting killed by the cartels who are working with the Chinese transnational criminals. I don't know if you saw the report that came out this past week. Record level real estate purchases of China in America. Yes. Guess what? The Chinese students are dropping off multi-millions of dollars to the Chinese businessmen because they're picking up cartels money all over America every day of the week. Wow. Wow. And and again, buying land right near our air bases and all this other stuff, too. It is so there are so many issues there, but you hit it right on the head because China is definitely a huge part of this equation. Derek Maltz, you are awesome. Thank you so much. The former director of the DEA Special Operation Division and also the chief of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force. Great to have you with us and all your important information. Thank you for your great service to this country, Derek. Have a nice night. Thank you. You too. So great to have you with us. When we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. 1-800-848-9222. Derek brought up some powerful, powerful points about the fact that, of course, China bringing it in and one ton of fentanyl and yet arrests are down. I mean, felony convictions down 52 percent. Are you kidding me? They should be skyrocketing the other direction. How sad is the impact of these soft on crime DAs and the policy coming right from the top? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the open border and the sad fact that we have drugs flowing in and now arrests for drugs have dropped dramatically by 52 percent in New York City. Similar numbers in other big cities across the country. And many people blame it on the policy of woke DAs like the one in New York, Alvin Bragg. Take a listen to this. Having had an automatic weapon to my, my head, a knife to my throat, I wanted um to give voice to the people who know those experiences uh, and to give context to those who don't. Yeah, I want to have sympathy for the criminals. How's that working out? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ. Line 7, BJ, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, thanks for having me on. Great show. You know, this uh, uh, this country's being hollowed out 
by China. They are not only piercing the border with relative ease with uh, fentanyl, they're going around the country and buying up fertilizer, microchips. Uh, they're buying up our food supply, farmland. Uh, they're looking to control our food supply in addition to uh, this crime wave that people don't really know to seem to, uh, the average man in the street doesn't know where the root cause comes from. Uh, and it's done by uh, also, it's, it's an ideological, po geopolitical uh, war that's being waged on us uh, with a, a lot of actors, in my opinion. Uh, when you have woke DAs like that uh, Alvin Bragg and the lady that runs Chicago and Gascon and the guy that runs Philly and all the major cities, all you need to do, Rita, is look at the red states like Texas and South Dakota, how they're handling this invasion, and then look at the blue states. Compare the crime stats of each state. Compare the jobless rates of each state. Compare the drug addiction and homelessness of each state, and you'll see that the red states are winning and the blue states are losing. Clearly. And by the way, BJ, too, exactly to your point, uh, the top 10 cities right now that have the biggest crime, uh, I think it's like 89 or 90 percent of them are Democrat-led. So, you know, it, it, it shouldn't. I like what Derek Maltz just said, uh, the special agent there um, from the DEA who just joined us, who's great. He was saying, you know, it shouldn't be a red issue or a blue issue. It should be a red, white and blue issue. We all deserve safe streets. We all deserve law and order. We're going to continue with your calls and also talk about Nancy Pelosi, Taiwan. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great men and women in the military and also, by the way, their wonderful families. A powerful story uh, coming from Ocean Springs, Mississippi, where on Saturday the community honored Donald Young a retired World War II veteran who served aboard tankers as a merchant mariner in the Atlantic and also the Pacific Oceans. Now, over the course of the war, over 6,800 merchant seamen died. More than 11,000 were wounded and around 600 were held prisoner by the Japanese. The casualty rate of the U.S. Merchant Marines is among the highest. It is the highest of any service. One and 26 died. I've had the honor to get to know a lot of these merchant mariners and was with them on Capitol Hill, in fact, when they got the Congressional Gold Medal not too long ago, which was one of the greatest honors of my life to see them recognized. And this guy, Don Young, 95 years old, he currently lives in Ocean Springs with his wife of 41 years. The city dedicated a plaque to him as family members stood by his side. And he was also receiving several proclamations from the Mississippi House of Representatives. And the mayor there, I love this, declared July 30th as Donald Young Day in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. How beautiful that they are naming a day after him and recognizing his great service to our country. And we are talking about the border because that border is wide open. And meantime, President Biden's like, oh, what do you mean? It's not open. Mayorkas is like, it's secure. 
And meantime, drugs are flowing left and right, and we've got a formula for disaster. We've got a porous border, and we've got DAs who don't want to prosecute. And that is putting us all in danger. And now the Texas governor is saying, come on down, Mayor Eric Adams, Muriel Bowser of D.C., you from New York, you from D.C., come on down and see the border firsthand because you're complaining about all these migrants overrunning your shelters. It's nothing compared to what they're seeing every single day. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John, line five. John, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. I'm just going to do simple mathematics. You're uh, the person you just spoke with, the DEA agent, uh, or the head of the DEA, it comes out to a million and a half people for the last year and a half are taking our border agents doing paperwork. So there's nobody watching that. Then we got, he said, 55000 a month. Uh, that comes out to almost a half a million or more that are being passed by that we see on drones that run right into America. Think about if you have 55,000 people passing a month, and say maybe 10 of them in a knapsack have 30 pounds of fentanyl. That's 300 pounds. That's more than over a year. That's more than a ton. That's more than it kills three times over the entire population of America. And Joe Biden is responsible for this with Mayorkas. Simple as that. You know what's interesting, John? Those are stunning numbers. And that's why it's interesting. You know, if you listen to the GOP House they say that if they get control, that they believe uh, that one of the first things they'll do is call for Mayorkas's impeachment. Because just as you so eloquently said, those numbers are huge. Those are enormous numbers. And think about what he was just saying, that one ton of fentanyl was just seized recently by the DEA. One ton. And you know how like it's like microscopic that could kill you. So think about how many millions of people could have been killed just by this one. I mean, it is it is unforgivable, the fact that they've left the border open. I mean, I, I was outraged when I saw all the numbers of COVID cases. And then when we started hearing about the fentanyl, I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, it is such an irresponsibility. And I, and I don't use this term lightly. I rarely say this, but I've said this about this matter before. And all of you know this. This is a dereliction of his duty. I absolutely believe The president's first responsibility is to protect the homeland. And boy, tonight when, you know, Ayman al-Zawari got taken out, it was like, oh, yeah, look how great I'm protecting the homeland. I will always protect the homeland. How could you have an open border that is our southern border wide open and doing nothing about it, blatantly turning a blind eye? To me, that is a dereliction. It is outrageous. Uh, Let's go to LQ. On line eight. Go ahead, LQ, your thoughts. Well, many blessings to you. You should have won that model. But anyway, Mega Millions. But anyway. Um, I know. By the way, I was so sad. I, You know, I bought a whole bunch of tickets, LQ. I can't believe somebody stole them and went to Illinois instead. <laughs> Horrible. I, By the way, and I told everybody, everybody who was on the line on Friday night, that if I won, I was going to give them 100 bucks or take them all to dinner. And I would have kept my end of the bargain. I would I would have given you all a thousand bucks had I won, but sadly I can't do that. So next time when I win LQ, I will do it. We'll take you to dinner first. But can we make my comment, please? Um, two comments. Um, I have a great favor of, to ask you, uh, Rita. 
Um, when Obama, Obama was the president, it was a newspaper article in the Daily News that he sent thousands of young people into New York City, immigrants. If you could find, you know, I tried to Google it. I could, for either you or your listeners, patriots, uh, I appreciate it. And I want to also ask you um, that you had a guest about a year on your show and a gentleman that uh, made the song, I'm Proud to be America, that's dedicated to to you, all your li- the listeners, the patriots, and the pains on the show. And they probably, some of them probably think I'm a pain. And Norman. Even Norman. We love Storm and Norman. We love Storm and Norman. LQ, thank you very much. You're great. And I remember it was Lee Greenwood, proud to be an American. He is such a great, great guy. And we're going to try to find that, what you just said about Obama, because I do remember there was something where they were sending him up to New York. I remember what you're talking about. So I'm going to try to see if we can find it or if one of our great, great listeners can find it. Meantime, by the way, everybody watching right now to see what is happening with Taiwan, because there is word that Nancy Pelosi could be just a few hours ago away now from touching down in Taiwan. And there has been a lot of talk. Uh, Chinese, I couldn't believe it. The first the Chinese said, you know, uh, if she basically goes there, it's like playing with fire and you'll get burned. And then, of course, President Biden, what does he do? He comes out and says, well, the Pentagon doesn't think it's a good idea for her to go. I couldn't believe that the president of the United States actually came out and basically showed division within America policy. I mean, that was a mistake. It made me think of the minor incursion line that he gave about Russia. You know, you don't ever want to show division or gray when you're dealing with people like this. So then what do they do? They come back and say if she enters, you know, airspace there in Taiwan and has any F-16s around her, then guess what? We may send a warning and then we may, quote, shoot them down. I mean, this is unbelievable rhetoric. And our president has said nothing since he basically showed the gray and said, oh, you know, Pentagon doesn't think so. So today, John Kirby is there at the White House doing the White House briefing. And he acted like, uh, what? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Where's the, where's the conflict? Everybody's like, oh, my God, is World War III on the horizon? What is China going to do the way they're talking? And the fact that the president hasn't said anything? Listen to how John Kirby answered this reporter's question like he's in La La Land. Why did the president bother with this drama from the beginning? I mean, why not, rather than saying the military doesn't think it's a good idea to go, why not call the Chinese bluff or tell them to pound sand when they started bellyaching about the possibility of this trip? Given, as you pointed out, there's no change in policy and there's precedent for Pelosi to visit Taiwan. So what's the drama? Have you watched the previous last couple of weeks? I mean, there's been this question of... Yeah, I've been here the last couple of weeks. I haven't seen any drama. I think think you're manufacturing it with your question. Look, we have been nothing but clear um, with the Chinese uh, about where we stand on the issues. We've been nothing but clear. So meantime, they were like, uh, no one's told her not to go. Oh, yeah, the president did. It almost looked like John Kirby didn't know that which is really scary, too, that he's out there. He's the guy they put out as the face of this. And then he said, you know what? She can do what she wants, but try to make it sound like the president has nothing to do with it. How is that for presidential leadership? Take a listen. In terms of the um, the speaker's agenda and her motivation for going, which does seem to be different than the president's set of 
of issues since he has said publicly the military doesn't think it's a good idea. He has not come out and given a fulsome support for uh, this trip if it happens. Um, what is your sense about her advocacy for democracy, for self-rule uh, in Taipei if she were to go there, and the impact of that if she were to make that kind of a statement? Long-held views on the part of the speaker and how that might have an impact. Well, the speaker can speak for herself, uh, and uh, whatever she wants to say on this trip is really her prerogative. That's why it was so important for me in my opening comments, Kelly, to make clear what this administration's policy is with respect to the One China principle, one, sorry, One China policy, um, as well as um, as not wanting to see cross-strait uh, tensions uh, resolved by any than other than peaceful means, and the fact that we don't support Taiwan independence. So does that sound like a president? And a White House that really is emitting strength. That's why it's so ironic that tonight President Biden is definitely doing a victory lap. And by the way, the U.S. should be doing a victory lap for taking out the leader of al-Qaeda. Big news, of course. But I'll always protect the homeland. I'll always stand up to bad guys. It's like, what? You were just a weeping willow in these conversations a few hours ago before the news came out. Are you kidding me? It's like... So crazy, and it's so apparent that this is what General Jack Keane had to say. He said the whole mess that we're in, much in part, it became much bigger, and it basically got much more enhanced because President Biden has been so lackluster. When the president intervened and sort of threw water on this by saying, well, you know, the military doesn't seem that it's the right thing to do, well, that made it a huge story because now we have the president disagreeing with the speaker who's making a visit and it incentivized the Chinese to really come on strong because they yeah. saw an opportunity and the opportunity was was let's ramp this up and let's get the United States to back down it looks like they're already on their way to doing it and we'll score a major political victory for President Xi prior to the National Party Congress, which is coming up in several weeks, where he's going to be enshrined for a third term. Yeah, he's got a lot at stake. He's puffing his chest. That's the president of China. And meantime, President Biden is puffing his chest over Zawahiri, but he doesn't even have the guts to ask the leader of China about COVID or the Wuhan lab. Uh, To me, it's like this is not the sign of a warrior leader like he's trying to be tonight. He got lucky because the CIA did obviously a great job and pinpointed this. And thank God this time he approved the strike. Again, as we talked about with Osama bin Laden, he didn't do it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie on line four. Ed, your thoughts. My Polish Danish sister, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great, by the way. Thank you. And by the way, Eddie, uh, you reminded me something. I would be remiss. Because you may know this, today is August 1st, and this is the day of the Warsaw Uprising, of which my father was one of the Warsaw Uprisers. It was the biggest citizen rebellion in World War II. I put some stuff on Twitter, by the way, because you know what's beautiful, Eddie? When they celebrate the Warsaw Uprising in many places around the world, but especially in Warsaw, they literally put the sirens and for one minute... The whole country stands still. It doesn't matter, like, where you are. It is the most amazing thing. And I actually put up the sirens today. I put it on my Twitter feed, at Rita Cosby, so you guys have to check it out. But I just want you to say I'm thinking of my father today, Ed, very much, and my great Polish heritage 
and their incredible fight for freedom. I will. Thank you, Jean Couillet. Thank you. Um, you talked before about, um, and we'll talk about the border. You talked before about um, Biden on, you know, the TV. Uh, Al Baghdadi, um, Bill O'Reilly has a book about killing the killers. Um, Donald Trump killed so many with Hellfire missiles. Never did anything. Very humble. But now the border. Bill O'Reilly should write a book. Killing America, we have to save America. Like they said, the, the other callers that said they're buying lands around our, our military bases, they're buying up our food, they're doing this or doing that. We're at war. And, and Joe Biden, um, I think he had a facelift. I don't know. He has very slanty eyes. I think he, he, might, be, he might be Chinese. They sent him over here, Rita. What do you think? I, I, you know, I'm not sure about the facelift comment, but what I will say is, he seems to be out. he seems to be so tepid, Eddie, in the way that he approaches China. I mean, he's had these lengthy calls with the leader of China, and from all the readouts, you don't see anything where he even refers to COVID, where he refers to the Wuhan lab. And this call he just had recently, he's had five calls with a guy, and he's known him for decades. Remember, he was bragging about it on the campaign trail that I'll show China. I've known him. I can deal with him. And what does he do? He doesn't even have the guts to bring up the COVID and the origins of COVID, or at least to say, hey, let inspectors in so we could at least figure this out. Um, a, a, something that's killed a million Americans and millions around the world. If there's ever, that would be my first question before I even said hello. And he doesn't even have the guts on like hour long conversations. The last one was over two hours. And somehow he didn't have time to bring it up. Uh, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, just like you said, he has been so acquiescing to China. It is pathetic. And even on this, he hasn't even backed his speaker. Nancy Pelosi's a Democrat. He hasn't even backed her. All he's done is undermine her. And there's reports that it was the White House that leaked this out. So who knows if it was him or somebody in the White House that actually undermined her to begin with. Normally, these people go in and they go out and you hear that they landed there after the fact. I mean, he's put her in harm's way. Or someone has at the White House, whoever leaked it, we don't know, but whoever leaked it uh, really put her in harm's way and then publicly hasn't even had the guts to stand by his House Speaker of his own party. I mean, to me, how scared is he of China and some of these other people? And it makes me wonder, this is what he does publicly. Imagine what he's like on the phone. Is he like, oh, yeah, 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 uh, Chairman Xi, whatever else you need, whatever else you need, whatever you want land here, you want this, you want, th- I mean, I can imagine how, like, you know, just pathetic he is on the call if this is how he is puffing his chest publicly. This is not puffing his chest. This is puffing a bunch of, like, hot air. I mean, this is ridiculous. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue your calls after the break. Nancy Pelosi may be hours away from being in Taiwan. And this president so far has done nothing but undermine her trip. Why? And do you think... He will do something if China tries to do any sort of threatening action. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. (laughs) 
And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Again, Taiwan Media saying they are expecting Nancy Pelosi to be landing in their country in a matter of hours. We'll, of course, keep you posted on that. And if indeed that happens or if it doesn't happen, uh, we'll be talking about that for sure tomorrow night here on the show. Because if she does go in there, what will China do? They've been, like, definitely heavy on the rhetoric, at least. Um, But there's also some serious action because there has been a U.S. strike group that has actually moved into the South China Sea in that area. And also the USS Ronald Reagan is also getting into that area. So as much as the White House is trying to kind of downplay it and make it sound like, oh, what controversy? Uh, Clearly, they are concerned by the comments coming from China and the military might of China, too. And privately and publicly, uh, they seem to be a little unsure of what to do next. What do you think is going to happen? And do you think she should go? I still think she has to go. She absolutely has to go. If she does not go, the world is going to go, boy, what a wimp Biden is yet again. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Norm online, too. Norm, your thoughts about this? Yeah. Hi, Rita. Yeah. First, I thank you, LQ. Nice words. Thank you I know. By the way, he LQ. gave you a shout out. I was going to say, I know, I, you, I you have a lot He's of love here on the show. I love it. He is my friend. Anyway, um, yes, of course, Nancy's got to go. I mean, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a supporter of Nancy, but uh, I think it is, it's good. We have to show solidarity with our, with our allies. It would be really cool if, it will be President Biden, but he's too busy hanging out with Commander, you know, his pooch. And so, you know, he's formulating policies with, with Commander. At least that's what it looked like in the uh, video I saw. Yeah, maybe Commander, uh, is writing, maybe Commander is writing the cue cards, you know? Like, who knows, yeah, you know? Think, Actually, yeah, Commander, Commander. Looked pre- Commander looked pretty uh, alert. He was, I, I, he's a beautiful dog, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a gorgeous, that's a shepherd. I mean, yeah, no, C- Commander... Commander should be the commander, I think. I think a commander would do a better job. Maybe, By the way, maybe we solved who is leading the charge there. And maybe he's been, <laughs> yes, maybe he's been right out in the open under the name of commander this whole time. Norm, you're great. You're great. Well, Thank you, Norm. We well, love you. Thanks so much. Let's go to Al, line six. Al, your thoughts. Now we just solved uh, who's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Rita, thank you for taking my call. You know, I think it's a positive if the speaker uh, does visit Taiwan like she's scheduled to do with the delegation, I'm sure at this uh, stage it's uh, nerve-wracking for them entering the airspace with the threats made by uh, the Chinese government. But, again, it's important that they go because our enemies in the world are watching, such as Iran. And if the scenario was where former President Trump was still in charge, and he was sending Secretary Pompeo to uh, Taiwan, uh, he would see it through. So this is important, again, uh, to reiterate, the world is watching, our enemies such as Iran are watching, and uh, I'm glad to see that she goes, but I know, again, that there it's a nerve-wracking time for her and the delegation, the speaker, entering uh, the airspace in Taiwan. Oh, yeah, that is going to be, talk about tenuous, scary stuff. And, of course, listen, U.S. military 
whether it's F-16s or other things that they're doing to protect her, many things we probably don't know about even. Um, I'm sure they've got some strong stuff protecting her. But, you know, I think about, Al, how different for sure it is under Biden than Trump. Can you imagine? Trump was calling North Korea's leader Rocket Man. Remember, it was like, you know, there was no gray. And even with China, remember, it was like China, the China virus, the China this. We have a president now who won't even ask China about the virus. We have a president who won't even bring up any of that stuff. And you know that if Trump was in power, he would say, if you touch, even though he doesn't like Nancy Pelosi, he would say, if you touch one hair of any American, you'll be in trouble. Let's see what happens tomorrow, guys. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.